The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have quite the shocking subject to cover today. But first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platforms in which you're listening to us upon. We have many social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read. For instance, you can check us out on our fan page on Facebook when you type in the at symbol Mighty Fortress 313. Of course, we do have an ever-growing YouTube channel as well. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and notification bell to help the channel grow. We really appreciate that. We upload a lot of videos there. You can also take a look at our website, which is OurMightyFortress.com. We have all of our media hosted there, so we have articles and videos and even a link to our merch store to help support the work. Of course, if you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and the established PayPal link. If we've helped you in some way, you can go ahead and email us. We would love to hear about it at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast... You let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about a subject that is very sensitive to Christians. And it's a subject that's near and dear to our hearts. In fact, (laughs) you can hear preachers preach on adultery, hell, drugs, pornography, covetousness, you know beating your wife or or husband nowadays and even alcohol even though that can rile some christians up this subject that i'm talking about though is that of music music is a very powerful vehicle that influences whole cultures and societies it's often downplayed in our christian circles but the influence of music and its effects upon entire cultures is well documented in today's culture is it okay to bring say rock pop rap into the church and christianize it if you say no then why if some elements are allowed then how far does one go before it's sin I want to challenge you today to know what you believe and why you believe it. Hopefully, 
just by this glimpse into the roots of pagan music, you may begin to see the truth just emerges out of this subject, especially from the scriptures that we're going to use. With that introduction, let's get right into this. The first point I want to demonstrate is about the root of rebellion. When you say root of the problem, what does that mean? Root means the original or cause of anything. In fact, the word principle has a very similar definition with a general sense of the cause, source, or origin of anything. All answers can be found through God's word getting down to the principles and root of a particular issue. There are not any gray areas with God. Now, there's whole theological branches that would probably disagree with that statement. But if you get down to the principles of the word of God, they are timeless. There's nothing new in our modern age that God doesn't give us guidelines on how we should use or do uh, things in his life. One cannot just make up his own root or principle from the word of God because otherwise you're going to distort truth. You have to cross scripture with scripture and you've got to have proper hermeneutics when applying or trying to understand what God is telling us specifically. So if we're going to get to the root of any problem, then we have to get back to the origin. In order to build the foundation, I do want to read a few passages of scripture as I think this will be very vivid and help us out in our study. The first passage is the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, and starting in verse 13. This is going to describe Satan himself and what he looks like. It's going to be quite a different image than what Hollywood's going to portray. But it says in verse 13, quote, Thou hast been in, the, in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuckle, and gold, and the workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Now that's pretty amazing. You can go on to read the rest going through verse 19. It talks about how God's going to cast uh, Satan down and destroy him and just and mainly because of his sin. But for sake of this study, God actually describes what Satan himself looks like. But we're going to talk more on that in a minute. Our next passage of scripture is in the book of Isaiah chapter 14. And starting in verse 12, once again, it's going to be God speaking to Satan. It says, quote, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weakest the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. 
But then God finishes in verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pits. Now, according to Isaiah 14, the reason Satan fell in the eyes of God is because he wanted to be like the Most High. Now, that's pretty interesting. It didn't say he wanted to surpass him or be more powerful than uh, God himself. It said that he just wanted to be like the Most High. That's pretty fascinating because it's almost like he knew that he couldn't surpass Almighty God. I don't know. But anyways, you know, he wanted to lead a rebellion against God himself. And here we are. We've got him helping man rebel against his creator and basically uh, helping bring man into the pit of hell right next to him because of our sin. That's talked about in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 about the sin of Adam. There are many people who may know that story and, and how Satan played a part in that. But in the book of Ezekiel, the description of Satan states in verse 13 that the workmanship of thy tabrets, or it's it's very similar to a tambourine, tabrets. So the workmanship of the you know, tabrets and pipes were prepared as a part of his physical makeup. Satan is a musical angel. Now we get a lot of pictures in the book of Revelation, especially what certain angels look like and that type of thing. But this is the first mention of a musical angel that the body parts are specifically uh, parts of instruments. And it just happens to be the main antagonist himself, Satan, right? He is a musical angel. There are many biblical scholars that have come to the conclusion that Satan was sort of the heavenly choir director, and given that he was the chief cherub or the chief angel. That may or may not be correct, but it is certain that he is a musical angel. Satan is pictured as a beautiful angel created of God. And it's sure not the Hollywood image that movies or cartoons give him. It's not some, like in the old cartoons, you have a little angel that pops up on one side of the shoulder and the little red devil that pops up on the other side of the shoulder. It's not like that at all. And of course, that particular image has been burned into Christian's mind instead of really perceiving who their true enemy is and what he looks like. But how does God perceive rebellion in his word? How does that correlate with the devil? How does that correlate with man? We have to define that if we're going to use that to really define music. You can look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, and verse 11. It says, quote, An evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23, the first part of it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? From these verses alone, and there's lots more, how much is rebellion acceptable to God, a holy God, zero, zero percent. To be outside what God has dictated is rebellion. Once again, 
there are no gray areas with God. Now that we finished one part of the foundation, we're going to build the other part of the foundation by which we're going to then continue to build on from here. So you kind of have these two halves of the foundation. So you have the root of rebellion and what that really means. Now we're going to look at the root of what we call pagan music. When dealing with this point, we're going to have to understand that music is a creation of God. So what is it that makes it pagan sort of say? Well, God created music to ring throughout the heavens, and thus he has a few things to say about it. The book of Revelation, chapter 15, and verse 2 says, quote, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on this sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. End quote. You also have Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. End quote. We find in scripture that many different types of instruments are used to include, you have harps, David was a well-known harpist. You have other string instruments, flutes, tambourines, etc. Now God does have parameters for everything that we do in life. The same thing is true of music. We can either do things within those parameters or go outside them, which is sin. For example, God made man to have sexual relations with a woman, but inside the parameters of marriage. Outside of that is sin. Pretty easy, right? God has a parameters for eating. Outside those lines is gluttony and sin. <laughs> There's a least preached sin ever, <laughs> gluttony. But anyways, there's lots of examples of this. Whatever God calls sin, it goes against the dictates of what he stated. So he does have parameters for what we're able to do in this life. There are no gray areas. Everything can root back to principle. So the next logical question is, what kind of parameters would there be with music? Or are there any? Keep this in mind when you ponder this question. Satan was created a musical angel. Is it possible? Think about this. Is it possible that he could use the gift that he was given by God for evil? Would he use what he was created for to destroy Christians? Now, if you would say yes to that, what would that music sound like? Think on that. If that is true, well, it is true that he is a musical angel, and it is true that he would use what he would be created for against God, what might that music sound like? I do find it very fascinating that all across the world, no matter what culture that you're in, it could be uh, Native Americans, whether North or South America. You can go down to any part of Africa. 
ancient Europe with the, the Gauls, the Celts, the Gallic tribes. You can go into the Middle East. You can go into Asia, all throughout the mass of Asia. And it's quite fascinating that you're going to find similar patterns of what they would consider worship style music. It almost actually doesn't matter what kind of instrument is used, but there are some predominant instruments that are used, like say any types of uh, drums or uh, percussion instruments actually, and there's a little uh, wide variety that are used all across the world. They stand out and they're played in a certain way. So if you worship another God with that music, are you in rebellion to the one true God? Is it possible that this means that the music associated with it is rebellious as well? Can you make that connection? Are there any other evidences to determine the root of brands of music? Yes, there is. The speed at which music is played is called tempo. But is that alone the answer to the problem? No. Not necessarily. You have, say, classical music pieces that can have slower or faster tempo. You can have various other genres of music with slower or faster tempo. So does that define the problem? No, not quite. You can also see a, a major difference between uh, the two compositions, co two compositions of music between classical and everything else, pretty much. Uh, from the rock pop genres and everything that uh, branches out from after it. You see the modern music patterns just flow from one side compared to the other. And this isn't a matter of preference or what you prefer one over another based upon a feeling, but rather we're trying to seek after objective evidence of what is pagan in origin and what is not. And if it's pagan in origin, if it's okay for Christians to use. This experiment can be done by anyone. But all you need to do is record various styles and look for the patterns. There is a little known fact about modern music. And that is pretty much everything rooted back uh, in our modern music, western style music anyways, rolls straight through the rock and roll music of the 50s and 60s and 70s that means when you go back in history it goes hip-hop rap pop going going backward and then rock and roll think of it like a tree uh you have the high tempo uh swing and jazz going down to the origin or the trunk of the tree from the branches and as you go further back you're going to the pagan worship styles of the African and Native American tribes who help design all of our modern music. It's a little known fact that most of our modern genres outside the classical um, compositions all stem from Western Africa. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to do with anybody from Western Africa, but, you know, the slave trade came to America, that type of thing, and, you know... Uh, they, the African culture had a major influence upon the developmentation of music. But that's okay. The issue is all across the world, you can find the same styles of music. 
but Western Africa had a particular style of playing their drums that made them pretty uh, unique in, in the style anyways. But like I said, you can find the same branches all across the world, no matter if it's white Europe or, you know, Native America or even in Asia. Now, there was a definite change in culture, especially in America around the 1920s and 30s. You had swing clubs where swing evolved and stemmed purely from the rebellion against the religious culture of the day, particularly uh, during Prohibition and uh, trying to get rid of alcohol and that type of thing. You had swing clubs and, the, and music developed from there. The origin of rock and roll was themed in rebellion, which led into the swinging 60s and 70s. You had Satanist groups like Judas Priest, I mean the name alone for heaven's sakes, ACDC or Dio, they pretty much had a one-hit wonder called Holy Diver, which is a demon casting a priest, a religious priest, into the depth of the ocean. For them, their imagery is throwing Christianity into the ocean and drowning the priest. And of course, the whole idea is rebellion against religion. Basically, this all propagates the idea that man was God. According to the Rolling Stone magazine, the world's number 39th ranked most influential rock musician was David Bowie. And here's what he said about uh, this kind of music in 1976. He said, quote, Rock and roll has been really bringing me down lately. It rules and dictates a level of thought and clarity of intelligence that you'll never raise above. Rock and roll too. It will occupy and destroy you that way. It lets in lower elements and shadows that I don't think are necessary. Rock has always been the devil's music. You can't convince me that it isn't. End quote. Now, David Bowie was a very popular musician in his day. But what did he say? He said, you know, I mean, that's a very powerful statement. That the wrong kind of music can have an effect upon society. Now, is him saying that just isolated? Once again, let's get back to the root. Let's continue our study. How powerful is music? Did you know that many men in history have written about the power of music? For instance, you have Xu Qing in China. He said, quote, For changing people's manners and altering their customs, there is no better than music. <laughs> that was in the 6th century BC that he wrote that. Then you had the great Greek philosopher Plato. He wrote in his fourth book of the Republic, that's around 300 BC, he stated that, quote, when modes of music change, the fundamental laws of the state always change with them, that you must lay a fortress foundation in music to protect youth from lawlessness, for if amusements become lawless, youth become lawless, end quote. Now, <laughs> what is he saying? That if music becomes lawless, then the youth become lawless. Now, that's absolutely astounding. Think about that. That's 300 BC. That basically encapsulates the 1960s, 70s, and 80s and all the groups therein. And look at the result of the influence of that on that culture and those generations. That's tremendous. That's a tremendous statement. 
Then, of course, you have the great innovator uh, guitarist, Jimi Hendrix, in 1978. He said, quote, you can't mess with people's heads personally, that's for sure. But that's what music's all about, messing with people's heads, end quote. The question that is demanding an answer, has the origin of pagan music rooted in rebellion affected culture today? Has the culture of music from modern genre stemming back into paganism affected how the youth think and act? Yes. Yes, it has. It's easy to see that. Also, did you know that it's not just about the words that are spoken for lyrics? Pagan worship music didn't always have lyrics, but rather they had the same type of compositions. What about instruments? Let's narrow this down even further. Maybe we can agree that, hey, yeah, sure, those groups in the 60s and 70s and 80s were, you know, self-proclaimed devil worshipers. I mean, they were very proud and open about it. Yeah, that, okay, we're in agreement about that. Okay, fine. Those are bad guys. But there's nothing wrong with the instruments, right? Well, what about the instruments that are involved in pagan worship? Of course, we do see two instruments emerge in our modern times as the main driving force behind this type of music. You have drums and the electric guitar. Drums were used to drive certain tempo and are particularly used in pagan worship and war, mind you. Is it the drums itself that are the problem? No. But as notes come together for certain compositions of music, it starts to present a clearer picture of a root. One musician named Sanford Moeller stated in his book, The Art of Snare Drumming, he said, quote, To acquire a knowledge of the true nature of the snare drum, it is absolutely necessary to study military drumming, for it is essentially a military instrument, and its true character cannot be brought out with an incorrect method, end quote. So we do see drums used in the military, and me being a former Marine, we were taught close order drill, and you have the idea of marching all in step with each other and that type of thing. But do we see morality imprinted upon the drum itself? Hmm, maybe. It depends on how you look at war. It could be for positive or negative. But when it comes to pagan worship or music in general, it's almost always used in relevance to music and pagan worship itself. Now you have the electric guitar. That was created because the acoustic guitar was not able to be loud enough nor produce the sound that was desired for a particular branch of music. It was swing music, basically. That came first. It then evolved into rock music. And, of course, you had the greatest guitar players in history that would emerge and take it even further with different styles of playing and produce sounds that were basically never heard before because of technology and be able to change the sounds emitting from the electric guitar and, and the speakers and that type of thing. Now, the root of the creation of the electric guitar, it was one of rebellion. Morality was actually placed upon the item the moment it was created for that branch of music. 
You also do not play, or at least very well anyways, the electric guitar in a classical style orchestra. Why? Well, uh, one secular composer said it this way, quote, the sound produced by the electric guitar is not compatible with the established core of instruments, brass, woodwind, strings, and percussion, end quote. Now, there have been some who have tried to mix the two together, but musically speaking, they actually did a decent job. But how they did that was they would have the electric guitar. I think it was Trans-Siberian Orchestra that did it. They have the electric guitar playing, and then basically the orchestra would play just a, a, a solid type of harmony in the background, but just letting the guitar take full swing uh, doing its own thing. But then the guitar would back off almost completely, and then the orchestra will come forward. But they're not playing in sync together as you would just plopping one right into the middle of an orchestra. It doesn't work that way. And not to mention, the electric guitar and the types of sounds that it can emit, and, the, and of course it does depend upon the person playing it, hence why you have these great guitarists, it is by far one of the most addicting sounds in the world. And it's range musically and the sounds that it can emit and play along with is greater than any instrument. I mean, the organ was the champion for a long time until the use of electronics came into existence. The electric guitar is, in my opinion, and I think you can find plenty of secular opinions who would say the same thing. The electric guitar is by far the most addicting sound in the world. So again, you have an instrument that was specifically designed for a branch of music dealing with paganism. So where is the electric guitar used then? Obviously, in one category of music. Is it right or wrong to use it? Well, what is the root? The root is pagan worship. The morality starts to come out. Now we can literally spend hours and hours and hours talking to music, but I don't want to go on and on about that. I tried to build a foundation to be able to present an argument. Is it perfect? Well, not necessarily, because I could definitely go down into more detail to present even more evidence. But trying to condense this down... There's still so much to study, but trying to condense it down for time's sake, I hope I'll be able to build at least a decent foundation to now come to the church and the individual Christian. So, let's look at the root of the Christian argument. The amount of evidence to back up every point, it really is overwhelming. But why is it that this is such a debatable topic in the Christian realm today? It's simple. Pagan worship, otherwise known as idolatry. The subject came up not too long ago about what was acceptable in the church today as far as the instruments are concerned. There are plenty of articles that are written about this and the discussion is still going on. Some said, well, once upon a time, the piano and the organ were not accepted into the church. So they'll say that, the you know, hey, well, the piano was created for saloon music. Well, when you read or you hear something about that, I've heard it multiple times from different folks. And I've even uh, read 
where somebody had made allusions to that. But what's funny about that is they don't tell you the whole truth. Certain sects of Christianity may have had that debate, but not all. It was also good that the root of the items come into the mind before you bring into the church. Imagine if churches actually did that today. I think Christianity would look a whole lot more you know, different. But getting to the piano, the piano was not created for saloon music because before the idea of saloons came around, the piano had already been around for a hundred years, okay? Can this be said, though, for the electric guitar and the rock-slash-pop genre music that the church is into? What is the root? Paganism. We're told by God to test everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, quote, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. End quote. But how can you tell for sure? Jesus has an answer for that, too. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, he says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? The principle not only deals with false prophets, that's what Jesus was talking about specifically, but there's a principle that emerges. It's not just about false prophets, but it's also about how to make determinations about good and evil. Good things will produce good fruit. Evil things will produce evil fruit. Here's a question. Would you say that the church in America is healthier or has degraded since Christians as a whole have crossed into the pop genre worship music that sounds the very same way that secular artists would sing it? I don't think it necessarily takes a genius to look around. And see the effects of Satan's rebellion in music and what it's doing to our culture. I just cannot seem to figure out how a Christian thinks that he can produce, for instance, Christian rave music in techno. Uh, <laughs> and just think that Jesus is okay with that. I mean, God help us. When I was a lost man, I, I was very much into raves and you know drugs and alcohol and that type of thing. But you want to tell me that you want to take that music and you want to Christianize it. I'm, how can you Christianize that evil? What is the root, ladies and gentlemen? Can something that is unclean be made holy? What does God say about that? In the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, it says, quote, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his gar garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people and this nation before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, that which they offer there is unclean. End quote. We cannot take something, even music, that is rooted in rebellion and make it holy. You can't do that. 
the next remark many Christians are going to make is that they'll just look right into your face and say, well, that's legalism. First off, they're really abusing even what that word means, and it really stems from bad theology. But it amazes me how that is a common excuse, even for, say, drinking alcohol and doing all sorts of ungodly things. They'll say, well, you can't attach morality to an instrument or even music. And I'll just simply say back then, question, is it okay to worship the one true and living God the same way that pagans worship their gods? Well, the, uh, you know, well, that depends. I, I mean, I mean, exactly how? Like, uh, and they'll try to <laughs> skirt, the, skirt the issue. Look, or they'll just respond, you know, well, I'm, I'm just not convicted about that. Well, it doesn't matter if you're convicted about it or not. If it's in God's word, then God is against it. So it means we should fall in step with what God says to do or not to do. I mean, it never seems, it never just fails to amaze me that we can't get Christians to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ in the church and going out and reaching uh, lost people, even in their daily lives. But, you know, there are two subjects that Christians just lose their mind over. Music and alcohol. It amazes me how they'll get all theological. you got the armchair theologians that'll come out of the woodworks in a heartbeat and say, Well, I have liberty in Christ. Well, once again, that stems from bad theology. Because Galatians 5.13 says that you have liberty, but not for the occasion of the flesh. I must have skipped that verse. <laughs> I mean, come on. We take a look at the society and the church around us. Would you not say that we can see the results of certain brands of music today? Could it be, just maybe, that Satan truly has used what he was created for to pervert and corrupt the church? Question mark. I find it interesting today that many Christian artists have figured out that they have no power in their music, so they try to reach back into the hymns and try to rock them out. It astounds me. It, it really amazes me because the artists have to write songs and they want to be creative. So why is this urge from so many artists to reach back into the hymns? Could it be that the hymns of old, many of them, Many, just read the stories, the testimonies, and the power of God behind the stories of many hymns. They're trying to tap into that because they know that their music has no power. I was at a music store not too long ago to get a replacement string for my viola. I play the viola, and one of my strings had snapped, and I had to get a replacement. I wanted to get one of the nicer silver-wound str uh, strings last a long time and have a pretty consistent sound so as i'm waiting for um the gentleman to get my string and he's going to put it on for me because i don't like doing it myself i'll tell you the truth <laughs> i don't like restringing my instrument myself but anyways i'm waiting for him to do that for me as a courtesy i was looking at a stack of books that one of the other workers was putting away and under one of the piles was this big thick um book that said Christian rock music and basically it just had sheet music of various songs and I chuck I pulled it out 
and I didn't even say anything. I just chuckled. And almost immediately right after that, the, the other gentleman, he, he's not a Christian or whatever, he laughs and goes, yeah, Christian music is such a joke. They try to copy uh, what we do, but they're so terrible at it. <laughs> that was hilarious because the guy didn't even know I was a Christian. I didn't go walk into the place and say, yo, Christian in the house. You know, I, I didn't even say anything at that time. I just turned, saw the book and pulled it out and chuckled. And he immediately jumped with that response. So I was like, wow, isn't that something? Even unbelievers know the origin of the music and what they want it to be. But Christians can't seem to figure this out. It astounds me. Now, what do we do with the church? Well, if you do feel convicted about this, listening to this, and you've got a church that's converting over to that style of music, say something. Or go to a church that sticks to more traditional godly music. Again, there was so much that could be said on this subject, but we could literally spend hours on this. I'll have to do another part of the music series at a later time. But I hope I've at least laid a foundation for you to see an origin and come to your own determinations. Look through the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Just don't believe it because I said it. Look through history. Match it along with what scriptures say. You're going to see the patterns. It's there for everybody to see. It's just that so many turn from what is obvious. May the Lord richly bless you in your study of music. I want to thank you for listening. And be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content. And remember to find your refuge and strength in our Mighty Fortress.